Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing today? Hey, I know it's a little bit distracting. We've got a lot of things happening. Uh, our air conditioner in the auditorium broke this past week, and uh, when we get, went to get it fixed, uh, they said, you guessed it, our favorite phrase, because of COVID, we can't get the part until sometime in October. So that's why we have the doors open. We get down here early and get the cool air in, but uh, we've got a cool front coming, right, for too long? Yeah. This, it will be perfect in here about November or December, right? So anyway, now just bear with us a little bit. Uh, this reminds me of going to camp meeting when I was about 10 years old when, when you had open air kind of a thing. So just uh, anyway, just kind of enjoy yourself and don't worry too much. And if it gets too hot, just uh, have your friend blow on you or something like that, okay? Anyway, hey, um, uh, welcome to what we call Baptism Sunday. We've, made, we've got some new family members. This is such, such a very, very special day, and I'm so glad that you're here to take part of it. A lot of times when we say, hey, we're going to uh, have a baptism Sunday, a lot of times people check out because, well, you know, that I'm not, I don't know anybody that's baptized. Listen, we are bringing new family members to the body of Christ. We should all be on. Isn't that awesome? So let's dive in today's, uh, into today's message uh, we're talking about the book of James. We're actually going through the book of James chapter by chapter. And this is one of my favorite ways to communicate the scripture because you get to break it down verse by verse. And I love, I love the Bible and I love teaching the Bible. So this is, this is what we're doing. We're going through the book of James. You see, Jesus had a brother and his name was James. And James was very, very instrumental, one of the New Testament church leaders. So if somebody who was the brother of Jesus, who grew up with Jesus and, and really didn't believe that he was the Messiah until after the resurrection. I heard somebody say one time, the strongest proof or the strongest witness that Jesus was the, was the Messiah was the conversion of James. Because James, as we read in the scripture and see kind of uh, the story behind James, he didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah until after Jesus was raised from the dead. So after Jesus was raised from the dead, James becomes the, the Jerusalem church, which was the largest church in that in, uh, of all the community, of all the uh, cities back then. He was the church leader, and he was very instrumental in a whole lot of things. So he was, he was very devout. He was a leader, and, and God did some incredible things through, through his life. But we, here's what we find out. As we read his book, his letter to the church, we find out that, that his, his principles... And his instructions are just as important, are just as relevant and timely as they were back then. As we read today, you're going to see that. And as we, you know, as we continue in this series of, of messages, here's why. Because although times change, truth doesn't. Right? People, are, people are, are pretty much the same as they were back then, just with more technology and more stuff and, and more free time or whatever. So, so it's very, very relevant. So let's, let's dive in today with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for blessing us. Thank you for the people that got baptized today. Speak to us today by your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, look at your neighbor and say, our family just got bigger. James 2 and 17 gives the main idea of the entire letter. It says this, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds or works. It is dead and useless. So what he was saying is, what he was saying something new to the church because for the last 30 years they had heard faith in Christ is enough. Your good works 
uh, they've been taught for, for centuries that you need to perform sacrifices, you need to do, keep the law and all that. So here's what happens. James comes to the scene, or, or the Apostle Paul comes to the scene and says, no, it's faith in Christ. It's not about the things that you do. So for 30 years, this is all the churches had heard. So they had come to the place where they were very complacent and they were doing nothing because they're like, it doesn't matter what I do because I believe in Christ. So it doesn't matter if I serve, it doesn't matter if I help people, it doesn't matter if I am, none of that matters because I believe in Christ. So James sees this issue early and he writes his book and says, hey, that's not enough. Your faith is incomplete unless it is followed by, followed by what you do in your life because faith is also proven by the things that you do. He says this, real faith produces work. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to work a little harder. Faith produces works, and it's called works of faith. We're not saved. Listen, we're not saved because of our works. We're not saved because we got baptized, right? Being baptized is a work of faith, and it tells everybody that we're saved. We're not saved because of we're, we're not saved because we tithe. We're not saved because we serve at the church. But what happens is we are saved to fulfill the good works that God has put in our lives. Nobody here is saved. To sit. You're saved to serve. You're saved to walk in faith, right? We're saved to fulfill the works. And here's, here's a cool thing. In Ephesians, the second chapter, I believe it's the 10th verse, it says that we are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece, creating in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So before you were ever formed in the womb, this is why we believe in destiny. This is why we believe that, that you are no accident or, or you weren't a mistake because before you were formed in the womb, God created works for you to do with your life. So a lot of times, so what's happening is a lot of times is God is waiting on us to fulfill the works that he is. He said, hey, I, I got this for you to do. Will you get saved and will you get baptized and will you get involved because I got some things for you to do. Amen? So faith has action. And James says, prove your faith. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing what he said in James, the second chapter from last week. He says, prove your faith with your good works. Last week we talked about baptism. And baptism is like a first work that we do. It's, it's a first work. You're not saved because of baptism, as I said before, but it's a first work of faith, and we all should be baptized. It's not up in the air. It's, it's, it's not an option. I want to continue this week, and I want to talk a little bit more about what James says. Uh, remember, and here's what I want you to remember. In James, the third chapter, he, it, there is this discussion of three main topics that are related. They're different but they are related. He talks about if you desire to teach in the church. And then he talks about controlling your speech. And then he talks about wisdom. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to all of it because I'm getting real hot in here. And I don't like to sweat on stage. No, I'm, I'm kidding. We'll work through it if you can work through it. Uh, remember, James is talking to Christians. He's talking to church people. Look at your neighbor and say, that's you. He's talking to church people. So, so as we talk about things, remember, this is, not, this is not them, this is not they, this is me. This is a letter written to me. So here's what he says. James, the third chapter and the 16th verse says this. It says, dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. Have you heard this verse before? 
This is a powerful verse that we need to pay attention to. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, I want to tell you something. We are all teachers in some form of another. You can become a teacher. You, you can, uh, can become an educator in the school system. But he's talking about uh, within the context of the church. Once again, we're all teachers. At some point, we teach our kids. We become mentors. Uh, our employees, they learn from us. We all teach, and we all have the potential to influence people in our lives. And although everyone has the potential to teach. Everybody here has the potential and can teach, but there is a process to it that James wants us to be very, very uh, uh, serious about. He says, uh, I believe what James is saying is that even, he says, if you teach at the church, he says, we better take it seriously because there are rewards and there are consequences. Are you hearing me? And I believe that it's, it's all ages, and if, if, if teaching, whether, whether in the context of a church, and it doesn't mean in the church house, this could be a small group. This could be a Bible study, whatever we do. It's not that he doesn't want people to teach. He just says, listen, and he's taking a look at what people are doing and saying, and people are teaching things that probably aren't very, very correct. So he's saying, listen, listen, many of you shouldn't be, everybody shouldn't be desiring to teach. But he's not saying don't desire to teach. He's just saying, if you do teach, I want you to consider a few things. He says there are some consequences. Uh, we better take it seriously. He might say, Pastor Travis, this doesn't really relate to me. I'm not a teacher. Uh, actually, it does relate to all of us because you don't know what God might do in your life in your future. If you got baptized today, you don't know that God doesn't have a teaching gift for you in your future. You might be sitting here, and maybe you've been coming to church for a, a couple of years. You don't know that God might begin to move in your life. And a once again, a teacher isn't necessarily, okay, you stand behind one of these little podiums and you teach. It could be a Bible study that God has for you with... with Oklahoma's a cowboy church or a cowboy state. Maybe God wants you to teach a cowboy Bible study. You know what I'm saying? Maybe God wants you to teach a college Bible study. Maybe God wants you to teach a, a connect group where everybody goes and rides motorcycles and afterwards we have a Bible study. Are you with me? Everybody has the potential. He's just saying, I want you to take that seriously. Another reason why this relates to everybody is you need to know who's been teaching you. We don't just follow any, not everybody is going, I'm not going to listen to everybody that's a teacher. I have, to, I have to match up what they're teaching with the Word of God. I have to make sure that they've paid the price and that they are serious about what they are doing. Okay, if teaching or influencing others is your thing, you certainly have a platform in today's culture. Would you agree with that? With social media, with, with Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, whatever, there's a bunch of them out there. Really, all you need to be a teacher, an influencer, is one of these. A good one of these, maybe a, a decent look, some pretty good eyebrows, right? Have you noticed everybody's eyebrows? <laughs> I don't, maybe I, that's not something I need to notice, but I was like, man, their eyebrows, are those even real? Okay, you need a good phone, you need a good look, you need, a, you need an opinion, and you need something halfway interesting to say. And if you got all of that, and it, it might be completely nonsense, and you can be influencing millions of people. As long as it's interesting, as long as it's entertaining, the whole world might share it. And what's happening is people, once upon a time, who had nothing to say, 
are being followed by millions of people this day. And we can't fall into that as a body of Christ. Listen to me. Let me give you an example. In 35 years of doing ministry, I know you're thinking, Travis, you don't look a day over 40. But I, I, uh, I've been doing ministry since I was 13 years old, been leading some kind of ministry. I have a, a, a bass guitar that sits on my wall, and I, there's, there's a dude walking out here in Crocs. <laughs> You need to throw those things away. Okay, I'm kidding. Thank you, Baylor. I appreciate it. Thanks for thinking about it. Um, uh, in 35 years of doing ministry. Is that good? Can you feel it? Yeah. Okay. Is it too loud? Is that too loud? I'm sorry, you guys. Listen, guys, this is, this is my number one fan. <laughs> You're welcome. I'll be here all day. Okay. Um, all right. You think I'm kidding, that, that's in my office. Fans bring me comfort, it's a long story. Um, in 35 years of doing ministry, I've had the opportunity to do some incredible ministry. God be praised for everything that he's had me do. Obviously, I was the founding pastor of this incredible church uh, 20-something years ago, and I've had the opportunity to lead many people to Christ one-on-one, -on -one, not just here within this context, but one-on-one, -on -one, because of what I do, I've had the opportunity to sit down and talk to people, and nothing replaces that. I, I, I'm the founder of our Bikes for Kids program that started 17 years ago. If you don't know what that is, uh, we give bikes away in the community. We, I can tell you the story of how we got started and, and, and how that was birthed. It was just an incredible thing. We've given over 6,000 bikes away in the last 16, 17 years. I have been on several mission trips where we feed the hungry and and visit orphans. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you that it wasn't just I was randomly there. It's that I met people and they took me to places that, that you can't believe that even exist in the world where we were able. And our church does this, continues to do this every year with, with your dollars and your resources. But we, we go and we, we visited uh, uh, hurting or marginalized kids. And there we have built uh, playgrounds and classrooms. And, and I've been a part of that because I don't just want to show up and and minister, I want to show up and I want to do something. So if you've ever been a part of our mission trips, we get up early and we work all day. And it's, and it's rough, but that's something that I've always been passionate about. Um, after Hurricane Katrina, do you remember Hurricane Katrina? Remember that? Uh, I got to travel to Port-au-Prince, Haiti. And I was the first, we were the first team, the first guys with boots on the ground. And I don't know if you remember, but there were thousands of tents. They were called tent cities all over the place where people were living because their houses were literally blown away. And I was a part of a crew of about seven elite guys that came in, and I wasn't one of the elites. I was the guy that carried the lumber, okay? But we built hurricane-proof houses. We erected a house every day for six days. It was the most incredible experience. And I've got it all documented and on video. I have visited rescue centers and hope houses and ministered in churches that that, that saved and rescued several people and, 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 and ministered to people that were saved from human trafficking. I've, I've met people and looked at the eyes of, of young people that were rescued by these churches. And I've been a part of, our church has been a part of, of funding that. And every bit of it, every bit of it was documented and videoed and put on social media. However, the one thing that has brought me more notoriety than anything. You guys got that video? The one thing that has brought me more notoriety than anything is this dumb video. I don't know why, 
But three years ago, a deer walked out of the woods back here where we were trying to build a bonfire. And for some reason, with everybody standing around, attacked me. And this went on. We only got 60 seconds of it. But this went on for three minutes. And we put it on Facebook. It, we just, had, a, we just ha had fun with it. But since then, it's had nearly 2 million views. And for a solid year, I couldn't go to a restaurant in this town without somebody said, Oh, you're that deer fighter preacher. For a year, everywhere I went, somebody would, I want you to think about what you want to be famous for, okay? You're the guy that got beat up by a baby deer. You know what I'm saying? Look at all the help. Look how much, look at look Mason helping. What are they doing with those sticks? I, I was holding him because every time I would let him go, he would attack me. You can, I mean, I had puncture wounds in my legs and, and, and arms and everything. I was all a bloody mess when we got done. And finally, when, finally he, he paused, and I think it was Jonathan that whacked him upside the head, and he finally just walked slowly into the woods like, am I done here? Do you want some more of this? I was completely, completely exhausted. Check this. I was the guest on radio stations all over the country. I think there was only about three radio stations in different parts of the country. I was um, uh, interviewed and put on uh, uh, news stations on the three main stations here in Oklahoma. It actually made national news. I think it was CNN. Get this. The anim anim Animal Planet, I'm not real familiar with this, Animal Planet organization or station called, and they had a show that was about animals attacking people. I don't remember what it was, and that, you know, people were really afraid for their lives. So they called me, and they interviewed me, and they said, hey, listen, you were afraid for your life, right? And I'm like, you know, I was, I was afraid. He was about, I, I didn't want people to know he was about to get me on the ground. If he's going to get me on the ground, I didn't know what it was going to be like. But he said, okay, she said, okay, we're, what we're going to do is we're going to fly you to New York. We're going to get your story. We're going to put you on there how you were. And I said, lady, listen, you know where I live? <laughs> if I go on television and tell people I was afraid of a 120-pound deer, I will not be able to walk through this town. So that's going to be a big no for me. <laughs> Here's the point. Popularity is cheap. Being heard and seen today, being, being an influencer, it's easier than ever. And there are too many social media scholars teaching their TikTok theology and leading people astray, especially the young and impressionable. So you've got to know who is teaching you because anybody's got a platform. Not everyone who is recognized as an influencer, as a teacher, should be teaching today. And I believe that's what James was stressing. Here is, here's, here, I believe what he's trying to say, if you're going to teach in the church, there are a few things that you need to know. Number one, you need to recognize that it is a calling. Now that doesn't mean it's a calling and you got to have it or you, you don't have it. A calling with God, a lot of times, is something that you can choose to do. But if you choose to do, you choose to walk a path. Ephesians 4 and 11 says, Now these are the gifts that God gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and what? The teachers. It is a gift. It is a spiritual gift. The Greek word for teacher is distakalos, which means one who instructs others. Specifically here, it's one who instructs others within the context of, of the church. Teaching is a spiritual God-given gift that goes beyond the ability to communicate. 
Just because you can communicate, just because you can make people laugh, just because you can engage or, or hold a, an audience captive does not mean that you have the gift of teaching. Teaching within the context of the church is by the Spirit, through the Spirit and through the Word of God that you invest in through prayer, through, through seeking God. It's something that God can give any of us, but you got to take it seriously. It doesn't mean that we all should teach, he says. Why is this important? Because of the responsibility. Not only is it a calling, it's a responsibility. In Ephesians 4 and 11, it says their responsibility when he talks about the teachers and the gifts that God gave the church. He says their, what? What's that word? Their responsibility with teaching and leading within the context of the church. It is a responsibility. Our responsibility is to, what's the word there? Equip, equip, prepare, train God's people to do his what? Work. Look at you never say, are you working? Are, are there works associated to your life? And build up the church, which is the body of Christ. So teaching isn't just delivering information. Teaching has a purpose, and it goes beyond delivering information. It leads people towards taking their next step. Teaching has a goal by the Spirit as we receive the word in our hearts. If somebody has baptized their message and whatever they're, they're teaching in, within the context of prayer, there is a purpose behind it and it leads people to change. If they need to take a step to give their lives to Christ, it leads people to take that step. If a person says, okay, I need to be baptized, it leads them to their next step. If it, if it, tell, if it, if it, it gets a hold of some people, maybe, hey, I need to serve or I need to begin to give within the church, it leads people to take their next step, which is works of faith. God's got to work for all of us. And James says, I believe we must understand the calling and the responsibility that is tied to teaching others because of the accountability that's tied to teaching. James 3 and 1 says this, says, for we who teach, and I'm just showing you the last of this verse, it says, we who teach will be judged more strictly. There is a different judgment. There's a different type of judgment for me as a pastor. And I have to remember that this is why I don't just throw messages together. This is why, I, you know, I, I, no matter what, if I have to stay up all night, if I have something happens, I tell my kids, I tell them, I say, listen, don't go drive to Dallas on Saturday night and call me at 3 o'clock with a flat. I ain't coming. I know that's terrible. You made a bad decision. I can't help. If it's any other night of, of the week, I will be there. I will always be there. But this is a high response. I have to make sure that what I'm going to say isn't my opinion. I have to make sure that, that I'm preaching and teaching the word of God because God holds me to a different level. And remember this. If you teach the word of God, you can't be teaching your opinion. You can't be teaching how you feel. We got a lot of people, you know, on social media teaching people and talking to people how they feel about certain things and pointing to other teachers or whatever. Listen, if you're influencing, if you're teaching, you enter into the responsibility that I'm talking about for me. All right? So that doesn't mean we don't want people teaching. I want you. I would love it if everybody here decided I was going to lead a connect group and teach people. I just want you to understand that there is a responsibility that's tied for it. Part two talks about, what time is it? Part two talks about wisdom. Did I, did I just preach for 25 minutes? 
All right. Part two, give me, give me five more minutes. I'm not going to finish, but I'm, give me five more minutes. Part two is not only to teachers, but it's to everyone. I think it's important. Let's give me 10 minutes for this because this is important for everyone, okay? But I won't go longer than 10 minutes. All right, James 3 and 2 says, indeed, now he was just talking to teachers, but he ta he's talking to the rest of the church, all right? He's talking to church people. Look at your name and say, that's, that's you. So what I'm about to read is to me, and it's also to you, and this comes from somebody very experienced in the word of God. He says, indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect. That word translates to complete. And we could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make large, we can make a large horse. He, I'll just paraphrase here. He talks about you can make a large horse turn with just a small bridle. He says you can turn a ship with a small rudder. He says the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. He says, but but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And all the parts of the body, the tongue, of all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. He talks about how what you say, your speech, could affect your entire self. Seventh verse says, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. A lot of times people can't help what they do and what they say. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Can you see that there were some things going on with church people back in the day? Is it possible that, that this could relate to some of church people here today? Look at your neighbor and say, he ain't talking to you. It's people at other churches, all right? Sometimes it, check this, he says, sometimes it praises your tongue or your mouth. He says, sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it cusses or curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessings and curses uh, are come come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water out of a salty spring. Real quickly, when it comes to controlling our speech, number one, it is a small thing with a big impact. Small thing with a big impact. Verse 5 says, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. I want you to think about what you can say with just a few words. Have you ever been, have you ever been in a discussion with your spouse, fellas, and she just says, and you completely give your case, and you give your case, and you're right, and you prove to her that she's wrong, even to the extent that you back this up. There's no room for doubt that you are right, and she's wrong. And we all figure that out, but she just looks at you, and she says, fine. Right? One word, big impact, right? One word. What, is, what does that word mean? You know, for us guys, we have to say, when you say fine, do you mean that it's fine that we're going to go for it? Or do you mean that it's fine that you're going to scratch me later? You know what I'm saying? What, is, what does this mean exactly that you're going to get back? You know, fine. Here's another one. Have you, ever, have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and you're talking to them about something that's going on, having a disagreement, and they look at you and they say, Okay. Okay. There's a whole lot behind that, right? Wait a minute. When you say okay, do you mean okay as in it's okay, or do you mean okay? You know what I'm saying? Small words, big impact. He says, control your tongue and control your speech, and it controls every area of your life. I want you to let that sink in just for a second. That if you control what you say, 
If you manage what you say to others, if you control and not say the things that you say and that you're saying in your home, think of the, the impact. Small thing, huge impact in your life, right? It, it's a small thing, but if it can be controlled, this small thing, if it can be controlled, it will impact every other area in your life. That's what James says about our speech. The second thing about controlling the tongue, it, it, it affects the entire body. It is, uh, it is, he says in the sixth verse, it is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. In other words, not just our actions define us. Your actions, your actions can tell people whether or not you're a good person or a bad person. But he's saying your speech does the same thing. Do you know that people make opinions about you by what you say first? And then second, they make opinions about you by what you do. Our words, not just our actions, define us. Proverbs 18 and 21, you've heard this before. Power of life and death is in the tongue. Power of life and death. You can kill relationships with your speech. You can bring to life dead areas in your marriage with your speech. Isn't that incredible? I want you to think about areas in your life. I want you to think about areas in your marriage that you feel like it's been broken. It's, 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 it's dead on the vine. But you can bring things to life with your speech. The third thing about our speech, being bilingual is not okay. He says sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Can I talk to church people real quickly about foul language? Or can I, should I just move on past that? I, some, you know, is, is fouling, is that actually a sin? I really can't tell you that it is, but I can tell you it affects you. And we all have to, uh, we all have to deal with it. Even sometimes, sometimes, ah, oh, fiddlesticks does not bring to light what you really want to say. You know what I'm saying? You know, ah, oh, hot dogs. It just doesn't do it. You know what I'm saying? That's not what you're feeling right now. Yesterday I was doing something I shouldn't done, shouldn't be doing on a motorcycle. It caused me to crash. I was pinned under my motorcycle. I mean, it was the, it was a terrible, terrible day because of how that went down. I was not feeling. Thank you, Jesus. Are you with me? But I have learned. I have learned a long time ago that I nip that in the bud. But why? Because. The power of life and death is in the tongue. He's saying, what you guys are doing is you're coming in church and you're singing praises. And remember, he's not talking to you. He's talking to other people in other churches, okay? Remember, he's, he's saying, a lot of you are coming to church. You're singing the praises of God. You're, singing, you're saying brother and sister, and, and you're just lifting each other up. And then when you go to work every day, you're using foul language, okay? And I'm, I have, I, I'm not on anybody's case. I am challenging you today. And some of you got baptized today, and you went down an old person, and you came up a new person. I especially want to talk to you. If, you're, if your language is a little bit rough, I want to challenge you to change your language and see how it changes your life. All right? I want to challenge you to see how it changes your life. You have been made new. 
So walk in that. I've got one more point, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to close with this. Faith is proven by how we act, and how we live matters, because James says it doesn't matter if you only have faith. You've got to have works, and you've got to live in such a way. You've got to live in such a way. You've got to act a certain way, and you've got to, you've got to talk a certain way. And that doesn't mean that we're perfect. Doesn't mean that we're going to be somebody that we're not. It just means that I'm not just going to believe, I'm going to act on what I believe. Amen? So let that, let that be a challenge to all of us today. So Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. And I thank you for speaking to us today. And, and I pray, Lord, that you will minister to every person. Lord, wherever we are, whatever our struggle is, I pray, Father, that you will speak to every person. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather in this way and we can grow and your word says to confess our faults to one another we're not here pointing fingers we all have issues but James even today his word challenges us to prove our faith and how we live so I pray whatever that looks like for every person I pray Father that that will minister to you and we will receive that receive that word today in Jesus name if you're here today, as your heads are bowed, if you're here today, or if you're watching us online, and maybe God is dealing with you today about your life or your faith, maybe your, your actions doesn't go along with your faith, I want to pray with you. Maybe something's going on in your family, or maybe something's going along or going on in your, your marriage. Maybe it's something's going on at work that you can say, you know what, I, I believe and I have faith, but my actions aren't lining up with my faith. Can I pray with you right now? Can I just, can we all pray together that God will strengthen all of us? Because this is something that we all have to wrestle with. If you're seated next to somebody you're close to or you love, your husband or whatever, your wife, just take that person by the hand. Let's pray for each other right now. There's power in praying for each other. So Heavenly Father, I pray for every person that's here. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. But you've given us wisdom and you've given us your word as instructions. Not to, not to keep us bound. Not to keep us regulated, Lord, but to give us life. So I pray, Father, that we walk in the words that we have heard today. And as we do, Lord, we will break free from some of the things that have got us bound. We will break free from a lifestyle that is not pleasing to you. And we will walk forward being the people you've called us to be. In the name of Jesus, if you receive that, say amen. As you continue to bow your heads, I want to pray a prayer of salvation. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, he's not Lord and Savior of your life. If you're watching us online and you don't know Jesus, you happen to be watching us today, maybe God's dealing with you right now. I want to pray a prayer that we can all pray together. And if you don't know Jesus, you can give your life to Christ. Maybe that's your story. Maybe your story is, Travis... I walked away from God at some point, and I feel like God is dealing with me right now. I feel like he's, he's wanting to do a work in my life. Maybe you can rededicate your life to Christ. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I want to tell you, God never left you. Even though if, if we walk away from God, he doesn't walk away from us. So today, you can rededicate your life to Christ. Whatever the case may be, I'm going to pray a prayer. I'd like to know if anybody's here that I'm praying for. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to come down here, single you out. With nobody looking around, just between you, me, and God, if you could say, Travis, 
today, if you're going to pray, I'm going to pray with you, and, and I'm going to be one of those people that give my life to Christ. Quickly, just put your hand up and put it down so I know. I see your hand in the back over there. Anybody else? Anybody else? That's me, Travis. All right, I know we had one. I don't know if I saw everybody. We had at least one, so we're going to pray, and as we pray, let's all pray together, and if you lifted your hand, repeat after me and give your life to Christ. It's going to happen right now. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm before you today, and I give you my life, and I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins, and wash me clean and whole by your grace. And Jesus, I ask you to be Lord and Savior of my life. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died for me and rose from the dead. From this moment on, my life is committed to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We stand. We stand. For those of you that gave your life to Christ today, welcome to the family. Best decision that you'll ever make. Deja's going to say a few things about that. What an awesome, inspiring, and encouraging message today. I'm really enjoying this James series. What about you guys? Awesome, awesome. Well, first and foremost, I want you to know that if you gave your life to Christ today, we are so happy for you. We are so excited for you. And all of heaven and everyone in this church is rejoicing with you. And if you would like to get baptized today, we have clothes for you. We have towels. We have everything that you can need. And we will meet you at the pool directly following service if that is something that you're wanting to do today. If you'll do me a favor, if you did, commit your life to Christ today and text SAVE to the number on the screen directly behind me. We'll get you connected with a dream team member. I just have two short announcements for you guys. First, we have a prayer meeting that meets on the second and fourth Wednesday of every single month at 5 p.m. that we would love for you to be a part of. It happens right over here in this prayer room. Uh, we believe prayer is the foundation of any church and especially um, Faith Cone. So we would love for you to be a part of that. Next, guys, um, Faith Co. Students meets every single Wednesday at 6.23 p.m. So if you have a child between um, 6th through 12th grade, we would love for your child to be a part of that. And stay tuned, guys, because next um, Sunday, I'll come back with that date for sure. But we have a marriage night coming up for all married couples in the church. We'll be posting it on our social media. Um, and so stay tuned for that. We have a connect group for married couples coming up that we would love for you to be a part of. It's going to happen on Sunday evening starting in October. And I'll have a specific date and location for you soon. But that's all I have for you guys. And so before we leave, I'm going to pray a quick blessing over you. May the Lord bless you, protect you. May he be gracious to you. May he give you his favor and show you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, have a great week. We'll see you next week.